0: I had a lot of healing to do and that it wasn't going to happen overnight. I wasn't just going to try to band-aid something together, but I had to actually do some deep long-term work on myself in order to become the lover I wanted to become and the human, the man and human I wanted to become.
1: I'm so excited to bring you more Humans of Intimacy interviews I truly love this format because it's not just about some level of expertise that somebody has developed from studying or from research. This is all about what are the insights, the lessons learned from real, raw, messy, personal experience. And we get into that side of things. Generally speaking, nobody has some deep level of expertise in something without some level of personal experience. The reason why they have all these resources, all these tools, all this knowledge is because they've had to go through something to get there. They have had to learn, they have had to find solutions for tough times in their lives or in their relationships. So I really love the Humans of Intimacy interviews. I'll be bringing more your way, so be sure to tune in. Michael has co-founded and grown four startups, including being the co-founder of Breathe for Change, the largest yoga teacher training in the United States. He has executive leadership experience in three companies and is, along with Adriana, one of the co-founders of Paradox, a movement that aims to revolutionize the way people work together in business and society. Paradox is a community of courageous leaders with the mission to co-create belonging and flow in their lives, relationships, teams, and companies in order to revolutionize the way that people work together Despite his success in his career, Michael found himself missing something on the inside. He was trapped in a cycle of isolation, doubt, and validation seeking that blocked him from being the leader, partner, and person that he so deeply desired to be. In today's conversation, we talked about what has shaped Michael's view on relationships and what happens when we try to be someone we're not. How we can actually discover who we truly are and step into who we are and who we want to become in an authentic, aligned way. What we can learn about ourselves through dating and everything that can be learned from the struggle along the way. And in the end, how it makes us more human than anything else. I hope you had the chance to tune into last week's conversation with Adriana, today I'm speaking with Michael, and in our next episode, it's a conversation with the both of them together that is absolutely incredible, so be sure to tune in. Hello, 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 so excited to have you here.
0: Thanks, excited to be here.
1: So welcome to another Humans of Intimacy interview. Really excited to explore with you. We had Adriana on before who I was chatting with and now kind of getting the other side of things, chatting with Michael. And I'd love to have you just open up by telling people a little bit about who you are and what you dedicate yourself to.
0: So my name is Michael Fenchel. I am an entrepreneur, an explorer of consciousness, someone who has been really fortunate and privileged to have a lot of time and space to dive into what it means to be human right now and how I can become my best self. I feel that each of us have something like a very powerful drive and talent and unique sort of essence, for lack of a better word, that we're here to realize for ourselves and also offer to the world. And I've found that path through entrepreneurship and really enjoy connecting deeply with other people in the process of starting companies, doing things that make the world a better place, et cetera. So that's a little bit about me.
1: I love the part about how we each have a drive or a talent or an essence that is unique to us and to offer. And of course, such a parallel between starting a company and finding the way to express that or leverage that. But also that's so much about what relationships are and each relationship that you're in, whether friendship or different kinds of intimate relationships, bring out different talents or drives or motivations or purposes and kind of those parts of us. And I think that our ability to understand what our essence is, is part of the foundational aspect of allowing us to go deeper into relationships with another person. But it's really cyclical too, because the deeper we go, the deeper we explore through the lens of that relationship, our own essence. And I talked a lot about with Adriana, how much we can do the work on our own, we can explore, but sometimes things aren't really kind of put to the test or not even in the sense with that pressure, not even opened up new pathways until we're in that context of relationship.
0: I love that you're bringing that up because if I am really real with myself, all of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in my own life, the things I've learned about myself, the things I've created in the world, they all have come through relationship, whether it's relationship with lovers, whether it's relationship with friends, whether it's relationship with family, whether it's relationship with co-founders, which is its own really deep form of relationship. I tap into a different level of awareness and a different level of consciousness and a different flow when I'm relating, when there's a dynamic dance between who I am and who someone else is, and the space in between is full of ideas and communication and tension and richness and all those different things.
1: That beautiful dynamic dance. I often find myself explaining to people Part of what I do is executive coaching and business and holistic life design coaching, but I always tell people how deeply related these things are and how when you create change or growth or awareness in one, it always tends to affect the other. And when we think of all of our accomplishments, even if our goal is to have success, whatever that means in the context of what somebody is going after or accomplishments, what does that accomplishment mean? without, if it were in a void, if you weren't able to share it with somebody or celebrate it, like would it still have meaning? And so really, just as you were saying, everything, whether it's cause or effect, the relationships are what give more power and meaning to everything, even outside, supposedly outside of our relationships.
0: I think for me, what matters by far the most is relationship. And even if I get into what drives me to do great things in the world or even try to succeed for example it comes down to relationship at different times it's been i need validation i want to be loved i want to be admired i want to be accepted for who i am in relationships so i couldn't agree more that relationships is really what it comes down to and i think that's how human beings are wired at least how i'm wired and that in the end it's what we share with others that really holds meaning and holds value.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you enjoy exploring what it means to be human right now. So I'm excited to explore that in our conversation today and all the kind of ties in meaning between being human and being in relationship. So to start out, I would love to know a bit about you and growing up, what shaped your views on relationships? So what influences from maybe the family to peer, cultural, the media. What shaped your views on relationships and what were those views?
0: Definitely my parents' relationship had an influence on my view of relationships. My parents were really in love and had a beautiful relationship for a lot of my life up until I was about 10, I think. And then they went through some challenges that led them to be less romantic and more just life partners. And they still were incredible co-parents the whole time and loved each other on some levels, but the like passion and the deeper romantic side of things was gone. And I remember in, as a fourth grader having to do some big homework project, it was on my family tree, I think. And I was just like unable to focus on the project because I was just so emotional about sensing what was happening with my parents. It wasn't spoken or stated, but I could feel this like death of some romance, at least in my perspective, for me, the influence of that was I've always been 1000% committed to having passion in my relationship. And actually so much so that, like I've pushed away things that have could have been great just out of fear of they were losing passion over time. I've always been really drawn to relationships where there's an immediately high level of passion. And for a long time, I was afraid of long-term relationships because I was equating the sort of leaving the honeymoon phase with losing passion and kind of reliving my parents' experience. So that was one major influence on how I saw relationships. And as a man, as a white man, there's a lot of narrative about what, at least especially for me, the types of culture, like the types of movies I was watching, the types of hip-hop songs I was listening to. There's a lot of emphasis on sex and a lot of emphasis on kind of proving your masculinity through sex and through how you relate with, in this case, women or the people of the opposite sex or that you're attracted to. And that also had a big influence, not so positive influence on me that I've had to undo really consciously since I've become more aware and grown up. So that's another influence I can think of.
1: It's almost like growth is equivalent to unlearning. (laughs) So at what point and how do you think you were able to come to the realization that maybe there were unhelpful learnings, misinformation, or things that simply you wanted to reject that weren't serving you? And how did you go about that process of unlearning?
0: And it really started in my teens. So once I was like the second half of high school, I started to really feel awkward and unsure of myself around girls, but I really wanted to experience. I was really attracted. There was a lot of hormones going on. And I was really, I had a lot, went through a series of different crushes and little experiences that lasted for a short amount of time, probably because I just didn't know how to be with it. And I was in a confused state, but I felt at that time, like, basically the more girls that liked me and or that i was able to like be sexual with or romantic which is a very small number by the way but the cooler i was and the more i would be accepted and like looked up to among men at that point in time i think for many people certainly for me was a big deal so i pretty early equated like i lied like i started telling stories about things that that i thought would make me look cool embellishments. There's always like some truth, but then it's like, it's not really full truth. Anyway, that's how that impacted me. And that lasted with me through college. And then one place I got anchored in is in that near the end of high school, I had a really heart traumatic experience where I was really into this girl. We were friends and we had kind of started exploring more romantically. And then my friend and her got together and I felt like it was because I wasn't enough. I made it be the story that I wasn't like masculine enough. Then I went to college and I was like, all right, I'm going to like be more confident, I'm gonna like be more whatever. And I think that's really where I probably most came to life for me was like leaving high school, being like, okay, I'm a virgin. I'm not like, you know, whatever, just like all these things where I thought I had to be, try to be something I wasn't in order to have the relationships that I wanted to have. That's where that all got kind of wound up and turned into like something that I think was pretty unhealthy that led to lots of different situations in which I didn't show up in the ways that I would now want to show up in relationships. And I think the first place that I started to realize that something really needed to change was, well, there was a series of events. My first girlfriend in college, I like, lied to and then got found out for that. And she was really upset about it. It made me really reflect on myself. And from that point forward, I committed to not lying anymore, which was really helpful. So that was like, step one is like, don't lie, tell the truth no matter what, even if I think I was gonna not get something for it or whatever, but just stick fully to the truth. Two other things stand out. One, the fr- my first love, we were together for like kind of off and on because it was long distance, but for like five years. And the way I ended it was, I basically couldn't be with her and I couldn't be without her. And it made me have a really big push pull with her. And it ended in a way that left a lot of heartbreak for both of us. And I felt really bad. And it made me realize, like, after I stepped back, I was like, wow, this is an amazing woman. And I just hurt her really bad. And I didn't mean to do that. Like, what's going on here? And so it was really through that, that I started digging in more deeply to myself and being like, okay, something really needs to change. Love is something that I say I really care about and I do, but the way I'm showing up is actually having the opposite impact of how I would want to be. And that led me to deepen my journey of self-awareness, self-reflection and really focusing on reading books, learning anything I could about how to be conscious of how I was being in a relationship.
1: Going back to kind of what your view or measurement of masculinity was. It sounds like the idea was or the perspective at that time that masculinity was a measurement or a level of kind of worth or value that was a direct reflection of how attractive you were to women or girls, how many women or girls were interested in being with you, and then this realization that you were trying to be something that you weren't. And in retrospect, you can say, I was trying to be something I wasn't. And I love that idea that almost what if masculinity is just the opposite of that, of being what you are. And In that relationship, it sounds like it was a sort of dissonance between this is what I want and what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing in my relationships is the opposite. And I hear a bit of ownership because I think a lot of times it's so easy in relationships to say, oh, it's the circumstances, other person, why do I keep attracting the wrong people? Why isn't it working out right? And sometimes maybe the circumstances and the other person has a lot to do with it. But, and this is something that we touched on in my conversation with Aliana, this responsibility and ownership that is like the necessary ingredient to not just self-awareness, but actually getting what you want and what you desire. That key ingredient of taking the, at first, what seems like the burden, right? We don't want the responsibility. We don't want the ownership But that's also the power to change our own situation, our own outcomes, our own relationships.
0: A thousand percent. Thankfully, this person wasn't the person I was meant to spend my whole life with, but on their end, but I was the one that was making things the way they were. But then my second love, a very similar thing happened. And even worse, actually, I cheated on my second love with my first love, which was the low of my relationship experience by far. So after that, I was like, wow, all right, something is not working here. In that moment, I was also in a really dark place. My dad had recently died of a heart attack and I was struggling to cope. And I was making excuses for myself. Then when it came out, which was like four or five months later, and the whole second love relationship blew up, I was like okay, this is a behavior that I like strongly think is against my values. And yet I just took this behavior. So like I need to heal. And thankfully I allowed myself to really break open and surrender. I had a lot of healing to do and that it wasn't gonna happen overnight. I wasn't just gonna try to band-aid something together, but I had to actually do some deep long-term work on myself in order to become the lover I wanted to become and the human, the man and human I wanted to become. So that's how I would think about it. Now I see it as there was a big time fear of commitment. Plus the emotional challenge I was going through led me to behave in a certain way that was really self-sabotaging and was ultimately out of fear of love and out of fear of experiencing a deep long-term commitment. I just wasn't ready, which I wish I had been more aware of and been more conscious of. For example, the second love, she thought I wasn't ready. And she was like, let's just keep it casual. Let's not do this. I don't think that you're ready for this. And I convinced her that I was, but clearly I wasn't. And so there was this, again, trying to be somewhere that I wasn't, trying to be someone that I wasn't or thinking that I was meant to put on a mask or show up some way that wasn't authentic in order to have things that I wanted.
1: For people listening and, you know, reminds me, of course, of the amazing documentary film, The Mask You Live In about masculinity and about how damaging this mask can be when we are trying to be something we're not, what we think we should be, or society and culture's expectations or showing up in a way that is oftentimes out of alignment with who we are and perhaps even with our values as a person and how much that can keep us from actually being able to go after and get what we want and how damaging that can be to other people and of course to ourselves as you just mentioned, this question that I would pose to people listening, are you living your relationships in alignment with our values? And of course, like in theory, right, we have values and in theory we have the ways that maybe we want to live our relationships, the practice is much harder And that's when we do the work on our own versus when we are in that difficult moment in a relationship, in a partnership, and actually forced to try and put into practice the theory that we have. Of course, it's different. But to invite people to reflect on that for a minute, are you living your relationships in alignment with your values? In terms of this fear and this self-sabotage, for somebody who perhaps doesn't have the level of awareness to know if that's what's happening how would you describe that to help somebody be able to figure out is this circumstances is this bad luck is this some sort of protection mechanism
0: so i think there's a lot of shame and guilt that can arise when we don't act in alignment with our values and it can be extremely damaging it can actually stop us from growing i would never want to do the things that I did here. And I would love for other people to avoid having to go through some of those things. And unless we let ourselves look at the shadowy parts of ourselves, I really don't think we can get to all of the greatness and the wholeness. So I just want to start by saying, if you are experiencing something like that in your own life, whether it's you or a partner who's showing up in ways that are really out of integrity or not aligned with values, it's really important to look at that and not to make yourselves a terrible person for that, but to recognize that this is something that you've probably been taught or conditioned, or at least there's something in your karma or whatever it is that's leading to this. And that even though it's not, the behavior may not be okay. Like you're okay. And that it's super normal in our world where there's so many challenges in relationships and so few incredible partnerships that this stuff happens. I think giving ourselves permission to even be okay with not being okay, to even be willing to accept what's happening now is the start of the healing process, is the start of being able to change the patterns that we have or the ways we're showing up that we don't want to show up. So I think it kind of starts there.
1: I was just smiling a lot hearing you speak and explaining, you know, one normalizing that we all have to go through hard things. Oftentimes, it's the only route to get to these deeper outcomes. The expression that came to mind is no mud, no lotus, which if for anybody who hasn't heard it is kind of an expression. The lotus flower literally grows out of like the darkest, deepest corners underneath all the mud, the dirt, the messiness, and then you have this beautiful flower that comes up, but it can't actually grow without going through that other part first. So thank you so much for bringing that up.
0: I think that things become clearer once, once we accept what they are. So that's where it's like starting with that, just letting go of shame around these topics and being real. Like, how am I showing up right now? How is the other person showing up right now? And how do I want to show up right now? I think the other thing is to not try to rush and change everything immediately. Cause I think that's kind of the same, at least for me, that was the same problem. Like I had already had multiple warning signs from the universe of, Hey, you're not being an integrity here. These things are not working. But before I really figured this stuff out, I would immediately be like, okay. Oh, now I know that. Okay. I'm not going to do that anymore. Great. Moving on and just kind of bypass the really deeper issue here. I think taking the time to sit with and reflect, I think so many people have challenges in our lives in any area, but in particular in relationships, and we hide the challenge and we're afraid to look at it for ourselves. We're afraid to share it with others. We're afraid to just be in that space because we don't want to be in that space. So it's painful.
1: The example you gave of, okay, great, got that. Now I just won't do it again. The let me change what I'm doing instead of looking at what the reason is behind why I'm doing that. The what versus the why and how different that journey is. Of like, perfect. I just won't do that again.
0: And also not just the what I'm doing, but the who I'm being also so important. Who am I being?
1: And that sounds like a perfect question for that reflection that you mentioned. Part of these interviews are talking, and then I always love to ask really specific kind of practical things where people think, oh, okay, let me just sit and reflect. Well, how do I even do that? Sometimes, especially when we know there's shit (laughs) to dig up, we're never like, I really feel like, digging through my own consciousness right now <laughs> like
0: almost never that's an ways, impressive person <laughs>
1: yes like ways to help us go through this process of quote unquote metaphorically sitting and reflecting so specific questions or things to do feel free to share any of those now or as they come out throughout this conversation
0: nothing for me has been more meaningful than meditation practice and i think that can mean so many different things. But what I mean is taking time for me every day to just be with myself and just be with my thoughts. I don't think it has to be complicated. I think it can literally be five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, like brushing your teeth, but for your mind and just letting yourself have some space to notice whatever thoughts are there and then journaling afterwards for three minutes or something is a really simple way to start to become aware of the unconscious thoughts that are happening that are driving these types of behaviors that we don't want.
1: Thanks for giving that really simple example. I think simple is always best in that reminder for people. This doesn't have to be an event or an accomplishment. I love relating it to like brushing your teeth, brushing your mind, like showering every day, whatever it is, rinsing off your mind. And it's more of a moment or a habit and just keep the stakes low and build up that muscle rather than just, of course, a easy metaphor is always going to the gym. It's like, it doesn't matter if you lift heavy weights like once a month <laughs> versus if you just do a couple things here and there, go on walks every day, better for your health overall. As we're talking about this exploration and the evolution of your self-awareness and inevitably as a result, your relationship with yourself, what would you say one of the biggest challenges you have faced in your relationship with yourself has been?
0: I think that one challenge I've had in my relationship with myself is that I am very growth-minded and I always want to be farther than I am. I always want to go faster than I can. I always want to be more advanced than I am, farther along than I am. And that's the same. If I really look at it, actually, this is coming through right now. But that's the same issue as I had in relationships. I always wanted to be like present myself as like more than I was in my own mind. And in doing that, it's like I'm stealing from who I am already. It's like in focusing on how much more I want to be or do. I'm minimizing who I already am, what I'm already doing. And that's also was the issue in my relationships in trying to be someone I wasn't, or in trying to look a certain way, I wasn't letting people see who I truly am. And I was actually stunting the growth of who I truly am and how I truly wanted to show up. So I think that loving myself, where I am, who I am, what I am right now, that's the challenge for my relationship with myself and also my relationships with others. It still is, but I've gotten a lot better at it. I'm grateful to say.
1: I love the word to put it more almost viscerally. You're stealing from yourself, kind of stealing the opportunity to connect in an authentic way when you're not showing up as you actually are. Stealing the opportunity to give or receive appreciation, acknowledgement, and kind of stunting growth. And I think it's so interesting how there's this constant irony behind when. We are trying too hard to achieve certain things. We always end up engaging with them in a way that creates the opposite of what it is we want to happen. And so, almost, I love using humor, but like, how can we try less?
0: (laughs) I love that. Absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, the word try in and of itself, there's like a healthy level of like engaging with life, right? But then there's this trying to, Make something what it's not or anything like that i think it just gets in the way of what who we are and i think in relationship there's nothing more attractive or just beautiful than someone who is fully willing to be themselves in any scenario and whether that's for a friend like that doesn't mean that any two people are necessarily going to be lovers or romantic partners if it's not a fit and then so there needs to be like a, a letting go of like an attachment to like a certain outcome working with every single person, but what it does allow when we are just who we are, we show up really authentically and accept, like really be ourselves in any situation is it allows us to find what's the real relationship that wants to to happen here between these two people. And that's where I got to after this series of heartbreaks and challenges, I realized that in order to live the life I want and have the relationships I want, all I need to do, it's simple, but it's not easy, but all I need to do is be me and just be me in every scenario and every relationship so i'm just like i'm going to take up all the pressure and in every aspect of life too this isn't just love this is with friends This is with family this is with work i'm going to show up and be present and be who i am and be the best version of myself that i can but not trying to not in a way where i'm like putting forward anything that's not authentic or true just in i'm going to be me and then that's led to so much beauty in my life but in the realm of romance and partnership, it led to a series of really beautiful relationships that from start to finish and through the middle were really transparent, really loving, super mutually uplifting, started in that way, lasted in that way, and then closed in that way. And I'm still super good friends with you know these women that I went through those relationships with.
1: When we think of this part of what were the biggest challenges that you faced in your relationship with yourself and as you describe them so many lessons learned and insights and benefits and beauty came out of it what would you say one of the biggest accomplishments has been in your relationship with yourself
0: I've let myself be my authentic weird self in like every aspect of my life and I'm really proud of that I'm grateful for the freedom I've given myself. I feel like in work, on all the different teams that I'm part of, people really know who I am and just, I show up as me. And sometimes it's definitely outside of what's the norm, but it works. And same with my family relationships. I mean, I've always had great close relationships with my mom and my brother and my dad before he passed. But still only like enhancing those relationships and working through whatever challenges have arisen there from a place of more and more acceptance. It's like when I stripped off that mask of masculinity, I also stripped off a bunch of other BS that had been there. And I really like, it was actually a par- uh, really healthy in the end had set me up as a healthy part of letting go of a lot of judgment and a lot of thinking that I needed to be a certain way.
1: This authentic, this ability to show up authentically as who you are, being kind of the conduit for connection, whether it's what it sounds like with work, with platonic relationships, with romantic relationships. And again, bringing these big concepts kind of down to earth and making them more granular and concrete. There's, of course, the famous expression, just be yourself, right? Just be yourself. How do you do that? What does that mean? What does it feel like?
0: Well, it feels great. And I think that (laughs) I say that because it does feel great. And I also think that's a guide to know when we're being authentic. How do you feel right now? How does it feel when you do that? How does it feel when you show up in that way to that relationship? How does it feel when you say that thing? Is there like a little bit of like a heart flutter and it's going to take courage, but then you do it and you feel like, proud of yourself and you're like, ah, oh, yes, that was me. I was me. Or is it like afterwards you feel like, ah, eh, like kind of sticky. Like oh, I, did, I wasn't really honest or I didn't really do what I know I could have done there. And like just paying attention to how we feel. I feel emotions are, I think our messengers and their guides. They're like the way our intuition speaks to us. It's like we get an emotion after we do something And often it holds a message about what about what we just did led to that emotion? And emotions are a whole nother topic. And I think there's more complexity to that than just what I'm saying.
1: It sounds like paying attention to how much self-talk there is after and kind of the realization that maybe self-talk comes from the idea that we could have controlled the circumstances or changed what we did or how we set it. But if we know we've showed up as ourself and that was our number one job and we did that fully, then there would be no question of should I have said it differently or done it differently or timed it differently or could it have had a different result? It's going to get rid of some of that doubt. And so that being a helpful tool to guide you to know how much you are not showing up as yourself.
0: I also think that there's like taking little steps. When I first decided that I was going to explore and experiment with what it means to just in every moment. And I'm also like, I'm an intense, I'm sometimes an intense individual. Like when I came to this realization, I'm not even kidding. I literally made my, I like made my mission of every moment to be my full self. And I'm talking work, I'm talking play, I'm talking everything. I was like, nothing matters more to me than showing up as my full self. And just Being in the experiment of what happens with my life if I do that. So I went all in. That mattered more to me than whether I got a paycheck, mattered more to me than whether my relationships lasted. I literally put that first, which is, I think, amazing, but I also don't think that's something that everyone needs to do. When I did that and I said, nothing matters more to me and I'm going to actually, when I wake up, that's what I'm going to think about. Like, that's how I'm going to approach my day. What I realized is that little opportunities became conscious. So I would go to work and I'd have a conversation with my co-founder at the time, and he'd say something, and I would notice that part of me, the old part, the part of me I was habituated to would have just gone along with what was said. But the truth was in that moment, there was actually something I needed to say back that I didn't agree with, for example. At the time, I didn't have the muscle to just do it real time. So I would do my habituated response, but that little awareness would linger with me. And then like 20 minutes later, I'd be like, hey, sorry, like I actually needed to say something that I didn't say and I'd bring it up. And then then we would take it from there, for example, or similar things would happen all across my life. Like I'd have the choice between going to meditate or well, meditate usually would be in the morning, but going to meditate versus like go hang out with friends. And I would know that meditation was the right path, but I'd, then I'd go with friends. And then like halfway through the hanging with friends, I'd be like, Ah, dang it. Okay. Sorry, y'all. I actually need to go meditate because that's what I know is actually my authentic self right now. And people at first, it's like kind of weird, but people also really appreciate when, at least for me, they really appreciated it when I would just be like, hey, you know what? I did this. I actually, what's more true for me right now is this is what I need to say, or this is what's really best for me right now. And so at first it was these little things or relatively little things, but Over the course of doing it more and more, that now became my habit. It's like building the muscle, right? It's like training authenticity as a skill. I was training myself how to be myself. So I think it starts with each one of these little moments. Like we're not going to like go from where we are to like a perfect expression of authenticity in every moment overnight. But the next time a choice arises where you know what's actually best for you, do the thing that's best for you. And if you don't, In the moment, just like I didn't in the moment, that's totally fine. But then come back to it. Don't just ignore it. Don't just sweep it under the rug because that's how we train ourselves because we really know. I believe every human being really knows when we're being authentic and when we're not. We just need to learn to listen and we can slowly learn to align with that knowing over time.
1: And that part about how will other people react, which I think is a concern for a lot of people, and maybe there will be some people who will say, you've changed so much. You hear these stories of people where they finally stop pretending that they are something they're not. It's like, no, they're actually being what they wanted to be this whole time. And yes, maybe the people who were in the relationship for the way that you were serving them as your inauthentic self will be turned away. Great. That's great maybe people will actually be way more on board than you expect. Probably a lot of the time, what's best for you is actually gonna be what's best for them too. And so kind of the magic that comes when you have the confidence and the commitment to actually pursue that.
0: And I think that's such an astute point and such an important thing because I think that's the main thing, I think that gets in the way of us being who we really are is what we're afraid is gonna be the impact on others because we all just wanna belong. We all just wanna be loved. Also, you used the word confidence, which I think is really important. I didn't have a lot of confidence when I started to do this, but I bridged the like point of not having confidence with like faith, with trust, essentially. And I took a leap of faith to say, I believe that we live in a universe where me being my truly being who I am is good, is right. Like is, and by good and right, I don't mean like morally. I just mean like, aligned with the universe and having that faith and being the, and I was an experiment for me because I didn't know how people would respond. Now. I'm now I have a hundred percent conviction. I'm extremely confident about it because life has shown me, yes, I want you to be your authentic self and has given me so many things and like blessings in return, ultimately it's for the best for me to be who I really am. And almost all of the people in my life are still in my life, just in even better ways And the way that I live my life gives them permission to be more of themselves or inspires them in this way or that way.
1: Overall, as you look back, knowing everything you know now and everything you've been through, what advice would you give to your younger self?
0: Stop trying so hard, dude. Just be you. And also love yourself more. These are such cliche. It's funny because there's such cliche things to say, but it's also so true. I think the other thing would be like, pay attention to the impact you're having, pay attention to what you're feeling inside, pay attention to the more deeper truth that maybe truer or at least deeper things, in addition to what society is saying is supposed to be happening. Because I think that's where I really got tripped up is paying a lot of attention to what other people were telling me I should be and do, and specifically the media or other sort of norms in, in our world, and less attention to my own inner knowing. And I think... As I've dialed down the noise of the outside world and social ideas and dialed up the volume on my own inner knowing, that's really what has shifted everything.
1: And that goes back to that sit and reflect and this question of who do I want to show up as or really like, who am I so that I can know how I want to show up as myself? And who am I making these decisions for? Am I showing up in a way Based on expectations, girl influences, I think the other person wants, what I feel like I should want. As we move from this relationship with yourself, how that has evolved, and into this idea of our relationship with ourself is tested, deepened, explored in a different way when we enter into relationship with other people. What has been a complicated or difficult relationship in your life? And this can be romantic or platonic, family, friend, whatever. And what did you learn from it?
0: One relationship that comes to mind is a relationship I had with a former lover and partner that was just a roller coaster, but really sexy and really fun and really full of energy and inspiration but also just tumultuous, and largely because of where I was at the time. I experienced a ton of heartbreak and a ton of just really high highs and really low lows in that relationship. The reason I was so attracted and drawn to this person was because she was embodying qualities and ways of being that I really wanted for myself, but I hadn't unlocked yet. And specifically, she was an artist, very a writer, very like willing to be bold in the world and like super creative and be her authentic self in a lot of ways and had a way of being in the world that I, at the time when I was still at that point, hadn't embraced in myself yet. And after we broke up, I was really depressed about not being together. And I was trying to get her back for a long time. Then I realized that what I was trying to get back were those things. And I started focusing on those things within myself And then my need for her went away because I was cultivating those things. So the lesson there really is that I think a big part of what draws us to relationship is people who have in them something that we really are expressing, something that's part of who we are that we may be not fully integrated or owning in our own lives yet. And I think that's part of the beauty of relationship is that as we connect with others who have certain ways of being your qualities or just superpowers. It's like it can awaken those things within ourselves as well.
1: Part of what I'm excited to talk to both you and Adriana when we talk together is this reality of relationships are hard. No month, no lotus. Inevitably, there are highs and lows. And, right, that's not all it is. And this line between, okay, when is it for the wrong reasons. When is this something that isn't just kind of an opportunity to grow and we should stay in it for what the future potential of the relationship is, but recognize that sometimes we also can't live in a relationship forever hoping that it turns into something else and that really hard balance that can be confusing where we can be like, my relationship isn't perfect and it's supposed to be and everybody else's seems perfect. Or, I know relationships are hard. So even though I'm unhappy every day, this is just the way it is. And that like very beautiful and difficult large space between them.
0: I've never experienced a relationship that was always easy. I think I know a few people in my life maybe that have that experience together, which I think is awesome. I think it's also really important to know what we really want. I don't necessarily want a relationship that's always easy. I actually probably would get bored. I'm not saying I wanna have fights or challenges for the sake of fighting or challenge and not being bored. But what I mean is, to me, one of my most important values in life is growth. And being with someone else where that is a really high value is so important for me. And with growth comes uncertainty, change, and change always comes with reconfiguring and negotiating and finding new ways of relating. And that's just what makes me the best version of myself. Certainly there's some arguments or challenges that we have that I would be happy to just wave a magic wand and have them disappear. But also some of them are actually really healthy and really part of me becoming the best version of myself. When I think about that question of how do I know that it's right for me to be with this person, especially if we're in the middle of challenge. And I think about, okay, on the other side of this challenge, Who do I need to become to be on the other side of this challenge? Is that the person I want to become? Like, is that who I know I need to be? And is that actually aligned with who I really want to be? In my relationship with Adriana, we have conflict all the time. I mean, we started a company together. We live together. We're like all in on growth and evolution. So there's plenty of conflict. But whenever it gets down to the root causes, when I realize how I need to grow in order to be the partner that she needs, it's always aligned with who I want to be. So it's for me, it's easy to do the work and to go through the challenge as long as I'm aware that, hey, this is just what I'm on earth to do anyway. I wanna be a better version of myself. What she needs for me is that better version of myself. So I feel good about where we're headed together, even if there's in the moment some challenge. And if not, then I think that's a really big thing to look and look at directly. Now, I've been in a relationship where the other person needed something, like what would make the other person truly happy and fulfilled was actually a version of myself that isn't who I really feel like I want to be. So I've certainly experienced it on both sides. But when it does feel like it's aligned with who I want to be, then that's a strong indicator for me that I'm with the right person.
1: I really like that as guiding questions. What do I want? and who do I want to become? And one, is that compatible with this relationship? And is this relationship, whether it's for better or the struggles, going to help me get there? Is that what's on the other side of this? For dating in general, because I think these are such wonderful questions to use as guiding principles, what did you learn from dating and what are any like? Lessons, takeaways, key insights that you would offer to other people who might be in the process of dating?
0: So, I actually had an incredible experience dating for the last couple of years before, well, and then dating Adriana and then becoming partners. I was having a blast and I was having so much fun and I was growing. And there was one thing beyond everything else that I think led to that, which is transparency. So I would really focus on transparency from the start. Like I would, again, just like with the going all in on the other thing, I'm kind of an intense human this way, but like I would on first dates, there's this really cool communication strategy that I call a game. Some people probably don't think of it as a game, but called desire, spheres, and boundaries. So I would literally go out on a first date and I'd be like sitting across from this person and we'd be like 30 minutes in or whatever. And I'd be like, are you up for playing a communication game? I
1: think it probably was helpful to call it a game just for some like healthy misleading for the, their own benefit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Being playful and just taking a chance and putting it out there, but definitely helpful to call it a game. So the way it works is we were somewhere we could sit on a walk or something. And I would be like, do you want to play this game? And they'd be like a little hesitant, but sure, they're probably thinking it's going to be like, I don't know, truth or dare or 21 questions or something. And anyway... I explain how it works. And the way it works is one person first starts by sharing whatever authentic, whatever desires are authentically there for them in that moment, right? So I might be like, I'm feeling attracted to you. I have a desire to kiss you. I have a desire to like explore more with you. And then anyway, so I name all of my desires, then they'd reflect it back. And you can see on their faces, they're like, whoa. But also it's like, dang, I've never been on a date where someone's just like so transparent with me about what their desires are. I don't have to guess anymore what he wants. I don't have to wonder or anything. It's like, oh, I understand what's going on. The second part is fears. And this is where it gets really good is I share all the fears I have related to those desires. So maybe it's like, I have a fear that you don't want to kiss me or not only that's okay, but I have a fear that like you wouldn't honor what you really want. And you would kiss me even if you don't want to, or I have a fear that i'm giving you the wrong impression right now with this game whatever anything that would be really present like i don't know if i said that one but anyway i'm just trying to give examples and then it's boundaries so like the way it works is you share your desires then the fears are like what are the fears that are in the way of that because often our desire is on the other side of our fear the fulfillment of our desire is so often on the other side of our fears and then the boundaries or otherwise known as like agreements are like what needs to be true so that those fears don't get in the way. So I might say like my boundary is that we have clear communication, like that you really tell me if you want or don't want something. Because a fear of mine could always be like, I'm gonna make a move if it's not wanted or whatever. So that radical transparency from the start led as you can probably imagine, it was an amazing like litmus test because people who weren't a good fit for me, it was like, okay, nope, like this isn't working. You know? <laughs> right.
1: They're like, Chow, I am not down. You're crazy. And you're like, perfect. Great. It was never going to work out.
0: Exactly. And that's where the non-attachment comes in to speak from before. Not seeing that every date has to, or like any connection has to be like the one or something. Letting each relationship really be what they're off, like naturally and organically meant to be. But then the ones where it was a fit, which was honestly most of the dates in this case, but anyway, were awesome because now we, we're past the surface layer. We're already getting to some real stuff and it led to a much deeper connection much more quickly. I highly recommend it if you're feeling courageous and you want to go out and use desire, fears, and boundaries on an early date. But I think that being transparent and being real, and again, not needing to try to put on like a certain front. Like there's certain things that I just don't care about that some people really care about. And I'd re- way rather just realize if it doesn't, if it's not the right fit, then for me to try to be something that I think this other person wants.
1: Love the game, love the idea. And I can only imagine how many other things it can be applied to and used as a tool, whether you're dating or not, in business, in a partnership, et cetera. And as we are going through, cliches that really ring true. One of my favorite expressions that is very relevant to this is the idea that you can't miss out on what's not meant for you. And again, that only happens when you do know what you want, what your minimum or maximum are, what your boundaries or needs are. And if somebody can meet it, if when you share them, if they're not willing, if they're scared away then it's like it was not going to work anyways if this person can't meet the basic fair, (laughs) justifiable needs that maybe you have shared if you're not showing up as yourself, that's where the confusion comes in. But this idea that the game you shared kind of showed or portrayed a bit of, well, you can't miss out what on what's not meant for you. Whether it is in the context of dating or your life or your relationship with yourself or relationship with other people. What is a difficult time that you have been through and what helped you get through it and what did you learn from it?
0: So the time after that cheating happened that I talked about earlier was really hard for me. After I cheated and broke up, it was the thing that really woke me up to the ways that I wasn't living in alignment with my values and on a deeper level. And made me like really know that I had to do something about it. It was almost like there had been like a cellophane across like my life in some ways. And like I had been shielded from emotions because I had kind of been numbing myself. It was like that whole cellophane got removed. And all of a sudden, all the grief and the guilt and shame that I had been trying to avoid through basically avoidance. It was like an avalanche and I was really sensitive and I was really emotional. Yeah, I felt like I could cry at any moment. But anyway, and like all that built up emotion really hit me and it was overwhelming for sure. I was way less energized for work. I was just like, life was hard. Everything was so raw and I just felt really sensitive and alone. That was a hard time for me. But what got me through it was a lot of reading of different books around spirituality, around growth, and around like how we as humans are creating our lives and how crises can be an incredible opportunities for growth because they really can. And I think reframing The crisis I was experiencing as a breaking open into a new layer of life and a new layer of meaning helped me to stay present and learn the lessons I needed to learn. Realizing that this experience was an incredible opportunity to become a better version of myself. It was like a fast track to learn my lessons. That gave it meaning and that meaning gave me strength and courage to keep going and let me come out the other side a different person, like transformed instead of numbing myself back out and going back to the prior patterns.
1: Right. These periods of difficulty, stress, loss, grief, trauma, as obviously we never want to be put under undue stress or unfortunate events. And inevitably in life, hard things will happen. And These being opportunities for reflection, growth, reinvention of ourselves, of who we are, what we want, and who we want to become. And sometimes there is numbing that is necessary, right? Sometimes we need to be in survival mode for a while. And on the other side of that, once we're ready, there are some really beautiful insights waiting for us once we're able to look at them. In that period of time after losing your dad, there are multiple podcast episodes that I've done interviews, one about the relationship between love and death and the other kind of between love and loss, obviously overall very similar, but one on which I speak to kind of my experience and somebody else shows a personal experience, the other being more kind of the research and psychology. How would you describe the relationship between love and loss?
0: That's such a deep and meaningful question. So for me, when my dad died, was like shortly before all these. Th- this like kind of life fell apart. Losing my dad suddenly like that was just such a shock. Yeah. And I don't know why this happened, but for whatever reason, it did lead to a ton of grief and falling apart. But it also, I think, is the single biggest thing that has contributed to all the great things that have happened in my life since then in the sense that losing someone like that, like experiencing loss in that way, really viscerally made me realize that life is precious and to cherish the connections that I have. And I think before I had experienced loss like that, I took a lot of things for granted. And after I've been way more connected to death as something that is just an, a reality for all of us and that has made me way more alive because i'm way more grateful to have the experiences i have knowing that they will at one point end in this lifetime and that also that other people can go away whether it's through death or through other loss so it's made me so much more present to the love that is here yeah
1: Going back to no mud, no lotus and that feeling of being in the mud, I like what you said and parts of it definitely resonate in the pain and the beauty and the wanting things to not be in a way, but being forced to accept it and finding what you can out of that. What advice would you give to somebody who's in the mud right now?
0: Maybe more so than advice, I would start by giving them a hug, a virtual hug. I think I would want them to know that the suffering that they're going through is not alone. And I believe that we're all entangled, like as human beings, that our liberation is entangled and our growth is entangled and that whenever any of us goes, is in the mud and goes through the mud and grows from the mud into Lotus, like it's, it's something that's a gift for all of us. And so I think that it can feel extremely lonely and isolating to be in this, in that space, almost by definition, I think it's kind of a space that makes most, almost all of us isolate, at least the deeper parts of ourselves. And so I really want to express compassion and connection and gratitude for them, for whatever it is, the mud that they're in, that they're going through, that they're working with as part of our collective humanity. I want to thank them for on some level, calling in the challenge and knowing that they have the capacity to work their way through it.
1: Yeah, that they're not alone. And obviously, every experience is unique to each individual. And countless people have been through something similar where they can relate and feel and empathize. And I am you. I see you. I feel you. All of that. And this idea of whether it's flowers or trees, those roots and being underground in the darkness, trees communicate through their roots. It's down there in the trenches and the underground in the dark places where you don't have to go through this alone. And you have that connectedness, that human network, that support, whether you are able to feel it and tap into it or not.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. that idea of roots connecting underground is really a beautiful image and I do think that our suffering is part of what it is to be human and i think that our society likes to look at the bright and shiny things all the time and i think we can only i really believe that we can only experience as much joy as we've experienced sorrow and like or at minimum i don't think it's like some balanced skill that like we got to suffer to feel joy but i think that when we experience deeper levels of sorrow or despair or fear, it's like expanding our range. It's expanding our capacity to also experience deeper levels of joy and connection. So I think it's like to to try to stay connected to, or not try, because that's not the thing, but to remember that we're ultimately connected, that that experience is actually opening up something new and even better, even more whole and authentic.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the humanness, which ties perfectly into my last question. At the beginning, when you introduced yourself, you said that you love to explore what it means to be human. So to close out our beautiful conversation today, how would you describe what it means to be human?
0: I think what it means to be human is to be both like a very much animal like on earth in this body that is extremely complex and that we mostly don't understand that has all these impulses, all these feelings and emotions, all these senses that are, yeah, just really primal and really earth based and very like just alive in ways that are hard to understand. And at the same time be divine or you could just say conscious or this intellectual sort of being that has thoughts and power to create things that weren't there and come up with ideas. And our life is this, like this bridge between the primal material and the like spiritual divine. And we're all of us trying to bring those two into harmony, to feel like we're whole, to feel like our body animal self is really safe and loved and has its needs met at the same time as our like spiritual slash mental self is conscious and aware. That's it's like its own journey individually. And then let alone we're doing that on a planet with 7 billion other people doing that too. But then when you really zoom out and look at it that way, it's like, wow, that is a wild experience that we all got thrown into together or chose to be here or however you want to look at it. And what's really exciting to me is that I think that more and more, like we're at a place as a global humanity and society where more and more of us are aware of like, wow, this is the context we're here in. And what are we going to make of this together? But I feel like there's this awakening in many ways of people being more aware than ever of the human condition. And also there's more need than ever for us to find new ways to relate to being human and to relate to one another so that we can continue on in a really beautiful way on this planet.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all of your thoughts today on wholeness, awareness, authenticity, acceptance, relationships, and an overall humanness. And I'm so excited to continue the conversation with the two of you to explore intimacy, partnership, passion, and so many of the amazing seeds that have been planted in these individual conversations so thank you so much and can't wait to keep it going
0: thank you so much sasha it's been a pleasure love the questions and excited to see you again with adriana shortly
1: thank you so much to each and every one of you for tuning in to listen to our show if you like what you learned and you know someone who might also like listening please do share this podcast You can also feel free to reach out to us anytime if you'd like to submit questions, requests for experts to have on the show, or if you'd like to share your positive feedback or constructive criticism. We'd love to hear what you think. It's the only way we can learn and grow along with you. Be sure to check out our website, follow us on Instagram at bbxx.world, and subscribe to the book club newsletter where we send out even more resources to help you dive even deeper to the topics that we bring to you on the show. Once again, we encourage you to take what we discuss on this show and apply it in your everyday life. Because remember, better relationships equals better life.